Welcome to the Fitness Queens podcast, empowering your mind and sculpting your body. Join your hosts, multiple fitness world champions, Alicia Kirios and Stephanie McHugh, as we explore all things female health, training, competing, mindset, and living the fitness life every day. So everybody, welcome to the latest episode of We Fitness Queens with my beautiful co-host, Stephanie McHugh. And we are very excited, as we announced in our previous episode, to finally have this remarkable woman and very good friend of ours on the podcast with us today, the absolutely amazing Michelle McDonald, who is the owner, founder, and director of the Wonder Woman Official. She is an all-round legend and an absolute babe that inspires every woman I know over the age of probably 30 of what is in store for a great future in fitness if you live life the way she's been able to live it. So welcome, Michelle. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for coming (laughs) up, Michelle. Wow, that is a great introduction. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much, Alicia. Appreciate that. And I I appreciate that you said 30 and above. Absolutely, (laughs) because I'm not joking. I know, and we'll get into this, I I know because we always, you know, banter about, um, you know, client bases and just the people that we are influencing. And I know you you love to say to people, you know, the older gals, but um, but I have heard from so many people over my walks, you know, in the last decade in this industry that are inspired by you from such a younger age than what you would even anticipate. And I do know that, you know, a lot of the, you know, very aware women in their 30s that are really aware of health and longevity over just, you know, rock hard abs, they do look at you and they do go, well, I feel okay about where I'm going because I can look like that, right? So yeah. you inspire women at a much younger age, I think, than yeah. what you would even anticipate. But, um, and I think it's worth yeah, Myself included, guys. I mean, seriously, Definitely. this one, from afar, I've just watched her excel. I mean, from not just an athlete perspective, but a coaching perspective. Right. I mean, she's so well-rounded. I mean, she's such a leader and inspiration to us all. Uh, so welcome on to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much for hopping on with us. She's also a world champion, guys. I mean, she's actually exactly. one of the great examples that I like to actually, you know, uh, showcase whenever people are like, oh man, I'm too old, you oh, know, to be able to get yeah. that title. I'm like, are you kidding me? Have you seen Michelle McDonald? <laughs> like, yeah. she, oh, or or, lo- or losing several, losing several, several times. Right. So yeah. you know, keep trying, you keep improving and you keep trying. Thanks guys. I actually think that's a really great point you just made because we've competed with Michelle now for a very long time. And I've had the joy of actually physically being on stage with her in my lineup for many years. And I don't think I had a happier moment on stage than when Michelle broke into the top three. And I I had a big stage when she, you know, won the first one because it was just so beautiful to see her come from, you know, constantly coming back and refining. Far away in the distance. It was a beautiful process. Beautiful process. And to see the physique evolve, like, wow. (laughs) And, And Steph is right. The amount of times I have ladies that come to me and go, I've always wanted to do this. It's been on my bucket list. I don't think I can do it anymore. I've had kids. I've got stretch marks. I'm over 38. So I'm I'm 40 oh. something. Like there's always some limiting factor that women place on themselves, especially as they age. Yeah. And they do. They they get trapped in that um ceiling of, well, this isn't possible for me. And the first thing I always do, same as Steph, is um, excuse me. 
Have you seen Michelle? <laughs> and then I just bust out Michelle's Instagram page. Yeah. And we're promoting her left and, and right. Exactly. Like, the transformation that she's been able to do, not just physically, I'm telling you, for me, it's like watching how much she's really grown. Like not yeah. again, just muscle, but just, gosh, man, have you guys seen her mother? I mean, I'm sure she's gone viral so many times. Like she's been uh -huh. able to actually showcase um, how older women um, have the stereotypical idea that, yeah. you know, age is going to label how good of progress it can get or how, you know, hard work um, they have to, you know, maybe do more than others. No, I really, I like, again, I'm going to leave the floor to Michelle because I want her to give a little bit of some background, just, you know, how you got here, you know, and of course, um, you know what you do. This way, I leave it to you. To you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle, tell us why, and I guess, and what inspired you to keep going as someone that entered this sport that we all love, um, you know, a little later than most do, but you were just persistent and resilient with such tenacity. And I love that about you. But obviously that's underpinned by a big, deep passion, right? Like you wouldn't be all those things if you weren't so passionate about not only the sport, but fitness and health in general. What um what drew you to that? And sh maybe share a little bit of background on your journey for for everyone listening because yeah. they don't know the ins and outs like we do. Right. Yeah. Sure. Easy. So I've um you know I I was in yoga for a long time in my thirties and I was crazy about it. I did it two three times a day. I competed in it, which a lot of people find that very surprising. How can you compete in yoga? But actually, you can. And <laughs> So I was, you know, I was going to a lot of advanced seminars and I was looking around me. I was in my late 30s at this at this point in time. And I thought, gosh, you know, all of this effort and I'm incredibly healthy. My joints are amazing. So I had significant health, um, positive health outcomes from yoga. But yet I thought, gosh, I'm entering my, my fourth decade. I'm entering my 40s and I feel something's missing because I was looking around me at you know, at these advanced seminars, and I was seeing uh, gals that were old, like older than me and who had been doing this much longer than me. And I wasn't, I wasn't um, getting that inspiration that I was looking for, right. And I was invited to go watch a friend of mine compete at her first show, it was an NPC show. Um, and uh, she had gone through an amazing transformation, I think she was young, right in her in her late 20s and had lost 25 pounds. And I went to the show and, you know, I'm looking at all these girls and I and I saw a very specific look, they all had these round muscles, they were bikini girls, they looked beautiful, they were happy, they had energy, they were smiling, they were vibrant, they had abs. And I thought, well, they're all doing like some some something systematic, just like yogis were, you know, were crazy flexible. They're all doing something. And I like what it is that they're doing. I want to try this. And so that's yeah. how it that's how it started. Um, I was already um, uh, very much into nutrition, not the bodybuilding style of nutrition that we know really prioritizing protein and all that jazz but i was already a chef and uh, i had that yoga background i knew about breathing i knew about mindset i knew about a lot of the stuff that's maybe missing in the bodybuilding world or at least you know back when i started but then when i layered on the training it was like the trifecta it was it really was a game changer and and oddly enough the yoga that i that i that i 
do, um, it, which is Bikram Yoga, uh, the origin, like not the originator, but the, 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 I guess the guru of, of the, the fellow who created Bikram, he actually was an IFBB judge. He coached people. Wow. He was, uh, a professor. Um, so I found that fascinating as well, uh, that that lineage of yoga that I loved came from, um, a, you know, the family tree was this, this, this Indian fellow who was an IFBB judge. And he actually, um, mentored one of the, I think one of the first Indians, Manatash Roy, who won a Mr. Universe. Wow. Crazy, right. eh? Oh, yeah. yeah, I love the story. Yeah. It's like soaking yes, all this in. Didn't know. I mean, and actually, just to kind of piggyback off Michelle, just because I remember <laughs> your yoga days. I still do. I yeah, like. I was wondering. I found. You're coming WWF. back. Yeah, like I've mentioned this to her multiple times. Yeah. Like I'm like, I don't think you knew this, but I followed you when you were like extremely flexible doing all these back bends. Me like, too. All the time. I'm like, this woman yeah. is just so flexible. So I mean, yeah. I, I really find that so interesting that um you of course you were so deep into yoga at the time. I remember it like you did a daily practice, you would like post daily about yoga. Um, yeah. and I was still like an amateur in the WPFF at the time. And that was actually something that when I first started competing, I really looked for inspirations, which I've mentioned multiple times here on the podcast. Andrea Brazier was what kind of drew me to the brand in the first place. And it was women like, you know, again, with different yeah. backgrounds like Michelle and like Alicia, just these unique different muscle bellies and different looks and different body types that I found. I'm like, yeah, this is something I can, I can, you know, realistically do for longer periods of time rather than just like fitting within a box. So I do find that what she just mentioned there, the evolution, right? Like her passion and her fitness industry has changed uh, from a yoga standpoint, you know, to also a bodybuilding now and she i'm sure she mixes in some of all of her you know uh, programming with some some good flexibility stuff i am um, i love that you're going to bring it back because i always loved it too i used to really yeah. enjoy watching not only the the video stuff that you would post but those static poses in these absolutely incredible positions. you know positions <laughs> and i would be looking at you going this woman is a literal pretzel like this is impressive and um and i do agree i think that um having that blend because you know yoga looks at so many other aspects is this beautiful yin and yang right and we yang inside of um the weights room all the time with the resistance based work that we're doing and i think it's beautiful to incorporate that real yin process on the other side so i'd love to see you bring it back i think for all of the um audience yeah. that has known you for the last probably half decade, they've probably missed out on witnessing a lot of that because it was a little bit earlier. And um, and I think they'd really benefit from seeing that. I'm so glad you're bringing it back. Um, but tell us, you know, because you've obviously come through, you hit this point where you've decided, I want, I want what she's having, you know, I'm going to get on that stage too. You got the bug. You fell in love with it clearly because <laughs> look at the evolution you've had since. Um, you would have gone through some major life cycle changes throughout that time. And I know now you're someone that posts some really great posts around, you know, change of life for ladies, walking into and stepping into, you know, that next chapter and menopause. Um, and also just recognizing the changes that happen as we walk, walk through these, you know, next decade chapters, as you call it. Um, what are some of the common misconceptions that you see? that people put out there versus what you know and you've lived? 
Right. Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. So, um, you know, the, the, the common narrative, and we're seeing it really um, exacerbated now with the conversations around hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the common narrative is that, that menopause is a, like a diseased or a deficiency, a deficiency state. You'll hear that a lot. Um, that sarcopenia, osteopenia, um, uh, dementia, uh, cardiovascular disease, belly fat, these things are an inevitable uh, part of, um, of menopause. And of course, we know that that's not true. Um, and but that's that's the narrative. And that narrative is is inside of women. So they believe that it's also in social media, it's in mm. medicine. Um, and I'm sure you also have clients that come to you um, that have been to the doctors, they've done the rounds, um, and they're, they've been told that they have to accept uh, their current health reality because they're, they're postmenopausal, and that's, that's what happens. Um, so, so that, I think, is what the real issue is. Um, and what what I've done with my own life and now my life's work really is coaching women and coaching uh, women to coach other women uh, so we can we can reach more people uh, at once because numbers is are essential uh, is that you you can have a profound influence on how you experience the aging process, including the menopause, um, through lifestyle factors. And it's, I mean, and the study, the research is there. The research backs it up, right? The research on how resistance training uh, reduces your risk for, in very large numbers, not reduces your risk by 5%, but we're talking 30%, 45%, right, oh. of dementia. Uh, the, you know, a positive body composition. <laughs> drastically reduces your risk factor for like like the top three your cancers uh, diabetes and um uh, cbd and these are the biggest killers these are the top three so um uh, you know we really need to change that change that narrative uh so that's that's what it really excites me i definitely am seeing some uh interesting pivots right now we've got you know some wonderful people that have a uh, quite a bit of clout that are getting that message out there that that have the that are doctors um and they're really being able to leverage uh, th- themselves and what they have to say people like uh, dr gabriel lyon of course we love her uh, Yep, Dr. Stacey Sims, um, two great examples uh, out there, really kind of lambasting. Hey, it doesn't have to be like this. So it's great. Mm. It's a very exciting time for for women's health. Mm. Um, and to your point, you know, for young gals, when I was young, I I absolutely did not have any positive role models for aging well as a woman. You know, as a if you would ask me at twenty, what what would I would this be what 50 was like? Or even you, uh, Alicia, at 40, I would be like, no way, that's not, that's not true. That's not real. That's not real. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we need to be out there saying this is, this is an alternative. And for some things like osteoporosis, uh, you want to have, you want to be starting those great lifestyle um, uh, decisions when you're young and you know that right yes. so bone health starts when you're young etc even alzheimer's you know you want to start making smart lifestyle choices when you're when you're younger so it's an exciting time that's amazing 
Yeah, I love everything you touched, Michelle, just because it's so yeah. true. I feel like women to have this like narrative so stuck in their brain because of what they've been told. Not and of course not having the examples and role models in front of us to maybe lead the path and lead the way. But there's like for example, for me, I'd never had um, let's say someone fit at 50 years old, you know, in my community, yeah. like just in my let's say heritage and my you know tradition. Um, it's just really not common. It's not common. It's just more of a oh you've aged, your back is out, you know, you don't do anything about it. You're just gonna, you know, have yeah. back aches and hormonal problems and all these things. Uh, so I love that you have mentioned, you know, of course, that's like the biggest misconception. Um, I think for me, it's like understanding, you know, of course, as you age, you know, what are some of those maybe um, <laughs> overall issues that maybe some of the women do experience with menopause? I think that like, what's the effect, I guess, what is the overall symptoms, yeah. In, yeah, symptoms that you would say yeah. a, a female undergoes when going through menopause? Uh, do you mean what I see as a coach uh, with gals that I'm working with. Yes. Yeah, and, and then I think, um, I think also too, what would be cool, um, Michelle is to even, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your own experience and uh, how it looked and, and sort of even when it happened for you, because I don't know about you, but something I'm seeing more and more, and I know, um, Dr. Gabrielle Lyons actually has touched on this in a few places is it's happening earlier like way, way earlier for a lot of women than what it would have happened in my mother's era even. And, you know, it's a bit daunting for some and they don't see it coming and it can take them out sideways when they least expect it. And I think, you know, maybe um, touching on that from a, a coach's perspective, but then also from your own personal would be super interesting for the listeners. Yeah. So, um well, my experience, my N equals one is, uh, and I, I often wonder, you know, why, why was my experience the way it was? So I am uh, menopausal, so like early menopause. Um, so I've been through that transition, but my transition was um, very, very, um, uh, I, I can't say ordinary because ordinary, it wasn't ordinary. It was not ordinary. I didn't even realize I was going through it. I had a little bit of a regularity with my cycle. Um, I had uh, two cold flashes. So I had to look that up. I'm like, what, what's going wow. on? And if actually someone experienced a cold flash and I was laughing with my husband, JJ, uh, the other day, I said, everything about my experience is kind of like uh, backwards. Okay. Yeah, the opposite. I, I really didn't uh, suffer from um, you hot know flashes. any hot flashes or anything. I did experience some skin prickling um, in my mid thirties um, around uh, my my. It was I, I always noticed that when I would start a prep, when I would start a prep, I would get these very like my triceps would be very itchy, which was interesting. And I've only just now read some literature that said you can get these like your vasomotor symptoms could be experienced as like almost like a beta alanine, like a tingling. Mm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Like so little, I did. Little... I, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I did have that, but it's been very, very um, uh, ordinary. Luckily, yeah. thank goodness. Um, my mom had a hysterectomy, so I can't even, you know, ask her what her symptoms were like. And she doesn't know what my grandmother's my grandmother has passed mm -hmm. now. And that mm -hmm. can be very interesting. Victoria Felkar talks about that, you know, try to find out about your family history. Mm -hmm. um, that can give you a little bit of an idea of what you you might be looking at with your um, experience of the menopause transition. Uh, but of course, again, lifestyle is such a huge factor. Now, I know I have clients that are um, 
doing everything right, as we would call it, you know, eating well, getting their protein and training hard, that still experience, um, you know, significant symptoms, hot flashes, and then particularly sleep disturbances. And a lot of times that mm-hmm. those go hand in hand. Um, so it's not, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not going to say, uh, uh, and, and certainly not in any kind of a judgmental way, if you're, you've got to be careful of this, right? If you're suffering from symptoms, you're doing things wrong. That's not what we want to say, right? I mean, sometimes, yes, fix your lifestyle, absolutely. But for, for some people, um, it's not that at all. So we want to be careful with that. But uh, my experience was, was that uh, doing everything right, um, you know, uh, it worked very, very well for me. And I'm so grateful that I, that I started doing bodybuilding. I did bodybuilding. I started it because I want, I really, it was, I wanted to look like that. I wanted to have those abs. Um, and I, and I wanted to have a structure. I didn't want to guess at it and, you know, like guess at my diet. I wanted to know what's the system that if I follow the system, the process, I'm going to get this guaranteed outcome. Right. Yeah. And bodybuilding provided me with that. But then when I think of now, you know, and I'm not saying this in a vain way, but if I if I'm checking out my physique or doing progress pictures, I'm thinking, this is crazy. I'm 53 in a couple of weeks and I my glutes are better now than they were when I was 40 or 30. And that's kind of crazy. And I'm so grateful to myself. I'm like, you guys hear this? Yeah, she's so about to turn 53. I just want the listeners to re-hear that if you didn't and, like. And I it. think that this is really cool because she's also obliterating those conversations and narratives that we often hear women say, which is it's all downhill after menopause. I can't mm. possibly get anything. Like, and, and the other yeah. fallacy is I can't possibly grow any more muscle. Well, actually. Yes. That's the number one I hear, Ali. Like that's actually the one I hear the most common. Besides the competing, like there's no way I can compete. It's like, oh, I just, there's no chance. I'm not going to build, you know, muscle. I'm 50. It's like, well, that's actually wrong. Because if you follow the systems, if you guys hear, Michelle followed a process. She got addicted to actually having things to follow through with, learning, you know, experiencing it and actually having, you know, those systems in place to see the results. It's like, who wants to be doing all the hard work and not see those results? It's like, Sometimes that's the person, maybe you as a listener are listening to this and saying like, man, I'm doing so much. I'm eating right. I'm training hard, but you don't see the results. There's something that usually is missing. Um, there maybe aren't maybe, um, you know, going together, maybe your training and your eating methods aren't really, um, going accordingly, um, to, to help facilitate more muscle growth. It could be that you're dieting too much. Maybe you're in a deficit or you're chronically dieting. Um, all these things that she's really bringing up. I just want everyone to really be tuning in to how well she's at process driven. Like she's so process driven, which is what makes her successful. And she's actually following through with all these processes. It's not just like, let me start one thing and then hop off and then start something else and then hop off. Um, she's really going through years on end. Um, and just question Michelle, cause I think for the listeners here, cause we were talking about yoga, just timeline, time frame. how long um, have you been bodybuilding or since you saw your friend compete on that NPC show? 39. Mm-hmm. 39. So she's 39. Wow. Amazing. So 14, yeah. going on 14 years, right? Woo-hoo. Amazing. Yeah. And so and I, just for everyone listening yeah. too, that that's a sign that, hey, Michelle didn't look like she did overnight. It wasn't an overnight success. This is a lady that has invested everything into, you know, running, running the process and finessing it, then running it and analyzing it and finessing it, running it again and finessing it again. Mm-hmm. She hasn't dropped the ball. She hasn't had offs, like 
off seasons away from it. It's been, mm. it's become the fabric of her life. And this is a really, I think, um, important take home is that this isn't something that Michelle's gone is just going to be a sport for me. This is something where she's gone, hey, I love this. I love everything about this journey. I'm throwing my whole self into it. And she's done that for the last 14 years. So if you want glutes like hers, which you can get, we're showing you you can, it's not just going to happen overnight and you can't just expect to get it in six months. You've actually got to apply yourself to this much bigger picture of what does health look like and where am I, where am I consistently applying myself? Because it's not that Michelle does anything magic, you know, that no one knows that she has in a pill form. She's literally just consistent as heck and constantly reviewing her process. So, you know, I think there's, there's magic in, in getting awareness around that because she looks r- ridiculously good people. <laughs> I just trained her. Her, her. It's ridiculous. Yes. We actually were able to do a training session in Australia. We were, you know, it's so funny because we, we, we see each other multiple times in the year, but never across the globe. It's always just kind of been within each other's countries. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool because I saw Michelle's glutes in person. I'm like, wait, this is the best glutes I've seen on you, Michelle. Like I, I've yeah. seen you multiple times in person you know, I've seen you in training sessions and this is by far the best muscle mass I've seen on your lower body, which I know you've been working so, so hard for. So sometimes, you know, it takes that picking up the habits, going through the systems. Like Ali said, you know, you have to go through it a few times. Uh, She's done multiple competitions. We haven't even brought up how many times she's been on a stage and has gone through the process of building more muscle mass, you know, and then dieting down and actually going through a deficit to, you know, peel back some of those layers. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I do think that, you know, just hearing the background of where she comes from, it's very important to kind of dial into the timeline as well as to her habits and everything that she's mentioning here. Um, My biggest thing is takeaway is the fact that she's been focusing on building muscle over all this time. So no matter what, like, it's not just the stage. I mean, maybe that was a goal or deadline that she might've had in front of her, but it was really the fact that she wanted to build up her physique and be strong and have some good, you know, aesthetic different, you know, shapes. She said she wanted abs, she wants glutes and all these things that she's had to work really hard, you know, with adding more layers to her frame. Uh, So my question to you, Michelle, is, you know, obviously, um, what are some of the key changes women should expect in their bodies during menopause and how they didn't adapt their fitness routines accordingly? Because this is, of course, going back to building muscle, right? Like some girls are just doing more cardio, or just like, you know, doing high intensity interval training, you know, on end, because this is what they know. So I kind of bring in a layout as far as building muscle and how um, you've seen, I guess, those challenges and, and differences when you hit menopause. Uh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one because um, the experience of the menopause transition is going to be incredibly individual. Um, and depending on where your current, you know, health, health, state is um, and what your habits are uh, and then the other you know sort of hereditary factors it's, it's so individual so I just want to say that that first of all but I can I can definitely talk about some of the common um, the common uh, mistakes I guess for lack of a better word uh, that you can avoid right so um, for sure for sure your focus um, uh, when you en- when you're entering your perimenopausal years, should be on um, developing a great resistance training uh, routine, and as we know, uh, that means uh, focusing on getting stronger, 
Um, there, there really needs to be a focus on that as opposed to just hypertrophy. So if you're somebody who's used to going to the gym and sculpting and you've been able to kind of um, work with that with some cardio and, um, you know, dinners and alcohol on the weekends and that sort of thing, you might find that that doesn't serve you and you actually are going to have to focus on the kind of intense lifting that drives that adaptative response in the body. Um, so heavy lifting. So, so that's, that's one, that's one thing that I think served me really well. I did get into powerlifting. Um, and I know sometimes that can be controversial with bodybuilding, um, fears of, you know, strengthening the erectors and all that jazz. Um, but uh, there is that, there is that shift that needs to be made to actually getting strong. Um, so that's one. The other is is, is cardio. Um, and this is different from training for a show, right? Training for a show, I've always had to do some cardio. So that's part of the caloric deficit that I that I ran. I'd rather eat a little bit more and do some cardio. Um, but when we're talking about general health and approaches to menopause, um, and I had a fabulous talk uh, just the other day with Dr. Stacy Sims, who um, loves uh, HIIT training, right? So true HIIT training, um, uh, where you're really going all out for a short period of time, the period of time that actually would constitute a sprint, right? So 10, 20, maybe 30 seconds tall and then doing active recovery and doing cycles of that as a better driver for adaptation than um, doing cardiovascular training, being in, um, you know, zone two training, uh, when it comes to actually seeing an adaptative response in the body. So, and a lot of people don't like, they don't enjoy doing true like hit training, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you, you know, like find a way oh. to find a way to push yourself, find a way to hook yourself that you can really get yourself to do it. And you're, we're not talking about 40 minutes of HIIT training. We're talking about like to get the health benefits, the, the stimulation in the body and the nervous system and in the, and in the tissues, we're talking about like 10, 10 intervals, right? Uh, so 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the recovery period. Um, it can be a salt bike, it can be running, it could be um, on the rower, but really hitting that um, you know, I, I go by heart rate, so I want to see my heart rate get up to 90, 95% of my VO2 max. And I go higher because I consider myself to be younger, you know, biologically versus my chronological age. So that's that's another thing to consider. Again, okay. if you're used to, oh, I just, I'm used to jogging and whatnot. Well, you know, you're probably going to have to start doing some like Metcon type of workouts, like okay. battle ropes and, or else like the true assault bike kind of spinning. We're not talking about these like 45 minute classes because you can't sprint for 45 minutes, right? We're talking about the, the kind of stuff that you could only do. So if you guys were track athletes, you remember that, right? Like you would, the sprint work would be very short. Mm. We're all yes. out. All out. Yep. Um, protein, right? So making sure you're getting enough protein in it as you get older, our ability to metabolize protein goes down. So we get less efficient with it. We excrete it more. So making sure that you're topping up with protein, especially in that post-workout window becomes more important. So you might, when you were younger, you might've been able to like, oh, you know, okay, I forgot to eat my post-workout meal and I'll, I'm going to go out for a beef steak at night. But um, when you get older, these eating windows become more important, especially for women who are already a little bit disadvantaged with their ability to to create muscle muscle tissue. So that's another I, shift, right? I love the, that. Yeah. I will, go uh, ahead. No, keep going. I'm just <laughs> I'm talking about meal timing here because we've touched so much on that on our previous episodes. So I know oh, cool, previous good. listeners and stuff, you know, are probably like, oh man, they've touched that not just for menopause. I mean, literally just 
the you fact know, that it's so important. A lot to have of stuff that what happens for from for the peri and the transition. I'm like, well, it's true for all ages, but mm. your your I call it your play space, your ability to um to fool around in the perimenopause transition and in menopause, it narrows. Yeah. Right. And the higher your goal, the higher outcome, the higher level of outcome you aspire to, the more narrow. Yeah, makes sense. So you just got to understand that it's like risk reward or like, like pleasure pain. Um, how fun is this thing that I want to do? And like just fooling around with your, your food. Um, and is, is that going to give me the outcome that I want? So just making different choices and understanding the outcomes for that sleep is a huge one. You cannot Mm -hmm. miss sleep like you can when you were young, when you were young, you could do all kinds of things and still like put on muscle, but you, you will have to change your habits. So sleep is huge. Um, managing your stress. So we always have to manage our stress, but when we're older, even more so. So just having clear boundaries, um, that's another huge one that you really can't fool around with and having tools, right? So I have a lot of stressful things in my life, for example, but I have a lot of tools. Again, I'm so grateful for the decade that I went deep with yoga. Um, so just posture, um, diaphragmatic control, breath work. I'm always in touch with my breathing um, and I can tap into it really easily. So that's so easy to learn how to do. Um, Wind down routines, if you need to do a wind down routine, key. Um, So there's a lot of things that you can do that allow you uh, to have a very, you know, high stress life, but not get stressed out. And to recognize if you're getting to your limit, just check out, you know what, I'm going to have to cancel on this. I'm so sorry. Can we do it next week? So easy to do. And I think when you're older, hopefully it'll be easier for you to have those conversations, not be so in your head. So that's, and then recovery is the other thing I I think I should really mention is you really have to, and that's something that I personally experienced a lot um, with this last prep. I noticed my recovery really changed. Um, And I was the kind of gal that could do 90 minutes, no problem, balls to the wall, a lot of heavy lifting um, and a lot of volume after a heavy lifting session. So I could do four sets of, you know, six on the deadlift and then I and really be at that at that high intensity and then I would go and do split squats and um you know step ups and I would do so much other stuff leg press and now I'm like four exercises maybe five and 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 I'm done now I'm not saying that for everyone that's in the menopause transition that's going to be true for you but for people that train at a high level, that really push, that had that neural drive, you guys know what I mean, right? And you're used to just, you know, having endless amounts of energy, you might have to adjust, right? Because it's gonna take longer for your body to recover from those intense sessions. So just be aware of that. And and once you adjust, don't worry about muscle, muscle loss, because we know that we grow muscle during the recovery phase. So just focus on that intensity. Yeah. And they get the food in and get the rest in. Yep. I love that. And you know, one thing that I do, I do want to raise this because I think this is a really important and unique factor for you too, but it's definitely something that I have conversations with clients on when they're going through some of the more, you know, problematic symptoms in this phase of life. And 
they're still drinking, Michelle, and they're still doing these, um, you know, quite prolific social events with friends where they feel like they can't say no to things, they can't put up boundaries, but it does impact upon the symptoms that they face and their ability to actually have, I think, better recovery and better sleep and to down-regulate the CNS that might be, you know, overtoned at the time. There's there's a lot of it. And, and I don't know if it's just a, I don't know if it's just a broad, you know, blanket to say that when you step into that space and you have less things to do, perhaps for a lot of these people that are stepping into semi-retirement, um, the drinking becomes more prevalent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that it's then time with friends they didn't have, or if it's, I don't know, maybe even idle hands, but I feel like, and I'm constantly having conversations where I'm like, can we curb the amount of drinking. And I think for everyone that doesn't know, Michelle doesn't drink at all, like not at all and hasn't done for a very long time, like well over a decade. So I'm I'm going to draw a big, a big, uh, you know, correlation here to say that it's definitely, I believe, had a positive impact upon how she's experienced things and how she's built her muscle because she hasn't lost time and benefit and recovery and adaptation because of alcohol consumption i'm not saying all alcohol is bad but i'm just saying i think women guys yeah i think i think (laughs) women do need to appreciate that it is part of the lifestyle factors that may need to change and it might not be eliminating it completely you don't have to be like michelle but but it would be a be aware of frequency and um, dosage, definitely. I mean, Michelle, what's your take on it? Is that a conversation you have to have too with a lot of ladies that are sort of, you know, 40s and above? Because I find it's definitely a common theme in a lot of the ones I have to have. I, I don't have it a lot, um, but it, uh, when I do have it, um, I'm, I'm really honest. It, it is a hepatoxin. Right, so it it is damaging to the liver, um, and uh, I I call it you know aging in a glass. <laughs> it accelerates. It does accelerate the aging process, especially you know the things that we're vain about our skin, um, especially around the eyes, in the face. It does it does really age you. I mean, you can tell somebody who's been drinking regularly, especially when they hit their forties, and somebody who who it, who rarely drinks. Um, the great thing is that you can uh, recover a lot just from stopping uh, or just really tightly regulating, like treat it. I would say um, I certainly don't think people have to not drink. I don't drink because JJ, as you know, is you know, 23 years NA um, and I actually don't uh, process alcohol, uh, alcohol very well. So I even from like an ounce, I'll get very red and glassy eyed and my I'll get my veins will be bulging. Uh, it just doesn't process in my body. <laughs> It, so it stays as alcohol for a very long time. My body doesn't process it and break it down. Um, so, uh, and I feel lucky because it was very obvious to me what it was. Like it, it's yeah. like your body can't break it down. Um, it's, you see the toxic effects to your body. And I could, I would literally going out for dinner and there was this beautiful um, elevator at, at, that I would go downstairs and elevator had this wonderful mirror and I would, feel fantastic going out to dinner with my Russian friends. This was back in my thirties. But when I would come home at one o'clock in the morning after I'd had a couple of glasses of champagne or whatever, I would be like, who is this person? Okay. <laughs> it was like I had eight, 10 years. <laughs> so um, 
So the conversation I would have number one would just be around, you know, what are your, what are your goals? So I, I work a lot with lifestyle transformations and um, you know, definitely that coupled with being in midlife is going to uh, negatively affect your visceral fat, right? So mm-hmm. the fat around your midsection, um, it definitely will slow down process as you get older, it takes longer to recover and so on and so forth. And what's interesting is that once gals that did drink, stop drinking and then we rotate in like a social meal where it's like okay what do you want to have oh i really want to have a glass of wine with my girlfriends all right let's have a glass of wine what else do you want to have so we have that kind of coaching discussion walking them through their first like kind of treat meal um and guess what we hear the next day right oh my god i hate it yeah (laughs) i feel like i've been poisoned and mm-hmm. because you you be and I think you get so used to what what health feels like yeah. for the first time, what drinking water and getting your sleep in and training mm. and, and getting protein, what it feels like, that when you put that into your body, or when you have like you know some junk food, or you just have a really stressful day that you don't manage things properly and you miss a meal, like you realize, oh my nice. God, I to do that all the time and I feel terrible and oh. and my friends are doing that all the time and then they want to get their friends onto this whole bodybuilding thing right <laughs> so that would be the conversation I would have and I'm sure you guys are the same yeah look it's um it's definitely something that comes up and I can honestly say that in dealing with an Australian culture, perhaps too, it's probably a little bit more so because drinking is quite a big scene here too. Um, And as someone who I didn't drink at all till I was 25 and I really only drank around, you know, corporate functions and the whining and dining and schmoozing you have to do. And then the minute I got into the sport, I didn't. Um, And I was completely sober for, it was well over four years until I met Christos and then would enjoy just the odd glasses of wine over a nice meal, but definitely never frequent drinking, never a lot, never more than a couple of glasses. I think, you know, the most I've probably drunk has probably been in a, in a restaurant meal with Steph and Kerry at some point. We've maybe had three glasses. No, it's not a lot. It's really not a lot, but we sit there for hours, you know? So, um, so, so I'm like, I come from a culture that is really deep seated in, yes, you know, the do. socializing, the whining and dining, but I've never really sat as part of that myself. Um, so, so my conversations with people is, you know, that's why your skin is so fantastic. Do you know what? I always get awesome. I, I awesome never wear, stuff. I never wear makeup. It's only when I have a red carpet event or we're going to a show and I always get asked about it. And look, I do use really good skincare. I have, you know, some facial treatments and vampire facials done twice a year, but it's only twice a year. I don't do anything really crazy. And I don't grab myself with a whole bunch of stuff. So um, I'm pretty blessed. I think genetically I'm probably lucky, but I've just lived a very good lifestyle. And I think you are so right, Michelle. I've never really abused myself. And I think that that has a big part to play in it. And I do want to touch on the recovery side of things because the one thing I now I have obviously not had any alcohol in a very very long time going through IVF and then going through pregnancies and now multiple pregnancies and I think I had one glass with Steph in between these two babies at some point and you know what you just talked about is exactly how I felt that next morning it was one glass we did hydration yep I just woke up the next day I turned to Christos and went holy crap like 
I actually feel like we've just done a three-day bender at a festival and I've had no sleep and I've done so much alcohol that's not funny. And I've had literal one glass. One glass. Yeah, I remember. You even messaged me. I said it to Yeah, she told me even like, hey, I feel like hell, you know, from that one glass. And it's like what with our dinner. And I I agree with Allie, like as far as the recovery side and Michelle here when she's bringing up, you know, just the the, the lack of building muscle or the fact that you can't really build mm-hmm. as optimally. I think that one of the bigger things is that it's being toxic and staying in your in your blood. So if you're doing it on end, let's say daily or every you know other day, that's staying in your system. I mean, it really takes anywhere from 24 to 48 hours to even get that out of your system. So those that are drinking maybe daily um, or not limiting themselves or actually really shooting themselves in the foot because if you're doing all the work eating you know awesome food really wholesome and nutrient dense and you're actually training with good efforts in the gym and you are drinking daily you're most likely slowing down your recovery process which is yeah. also down your muscle building um which again I, I i for me look guys no one no one here on the podcast is is unaware that I, I like to drink some wine here and there and have you know of course a few glasses and um it's it's very more for social settings i yeah. think that this is where people really their environment they feel pressure they feel like they have to drink wherever they're going or where they're you know participating in and that is not the case like if you're maybe a social drinker and it's starting to limit you you have to check yourself. I think no matter who you are, you've got to really analyze and see, I'm actually doing this too frequently. I'm not building enough. I'm not leaning out. Whatever your process or your goal is, um, you have to actually maybe cleanse yourself and detox. I think that this, I go through this multiple times in the year, which is why I'll go periods without drinking at all. Like yeah. not even the once a week or anything, which yeah. just when I try to limit myself, it's like, you know what, I'll just do it once, you know, with dinner for a dinner date, you know, on a Friday or a Saturday or whenever we have an occasion come or when I'm on vacation or something like that. Um, But when it is prep time, it's like, why would I stop my recovery process? Why would I stop myself from building sufficient muscle tissue and promoting that? So um, there's a, there's a time and a place. And if you're maybe suffering because it's hard for you to stop, then you might be having some more deeper, more internal, you know, some actual things you have to work through, you know, you probably have some triggers and stuff that that's just kind of coping and putting a bandaid on it. So we've talked about trauma on these, you know, episodes and how much we actually have to maybe stop using something as a coping mechanism. Um, so I think that alcohol is so such a, you know, we're not on the topic of alcohol, but I do agree here with Michelle, as far as, you know, it's, it's, it's going to really throw a wrench into your let's say fitness journey, if we're, you know, just being a little more broad here. So um, and I, think, I'm, I'm I think you nailed it too, Steph. And, and when um, Michelle asked about how we would communicate it, this is probably the conversation I have with people is it's, Hey, look, I recognize it's going to be very hard for a lot of people to take it completely off the table. Let's just scale it right back. Let's instead go from having three drinks a night or a glass of wine every night when you cook dinner to glass of wine with dinner with husband on a Friday and a Saturday night only, you know, you keep it to the weekend Um, or it then becomes a case where it might only be a date night specifically when you go out for a restaurant meal, or it might be that, you know, you are literally only having 
certain events or so certain social celebrations that it's limited to. And then in time, what you will find is like I felt that one time with one glass of wine, they'll turn around and they'll go, wow, okay, no way, didn't enjoy that at all. Don't need that. find that what they initially even negotiated with themselves and with you as a coach to undertake um, reduces further again or they completely stop it for big periods of time. Um, but I just wanted to say that because I want to throw that out there because we know it is a free radical. We know that it does break down, you know, um, like so much goodness inside of your body. You don't want to be smashing yourself day and out. But the one thing that I that I wanted to touch on that for, because for any woman that's listening to this that goes, oh, gosh, that's actually me, quite often they'll say, it's the belly fat I can't lose in, in menopause, but then you break it back and they're actually drinking frequently. And I'm talking for a lot of these ladies that I'll, I'll stumble across, it's daily. And it's not just one glass. It might be two to three glasses some days. And then, you know, it and it adds up. It's, a, it's an accumulation across the course of the week and all of these things will impact you. So I think that's a valid, um, you know, conversation to have with people. But I also think it's really important to highlight that Michelle leads this beautiful lifestyle people where she just doesn't put any toxins into herself at all. Uh-huh. Um, so one of the questions, Michelle, just because we're on this, you, you, you really do age like fine wine. I can't yes. can get over that. <laughs> um, is there, you know, any tips or any self-care that you would give women, um, you know, at your age that you do, you know, it could be not, we've went through physical stuff, but maybe any other things that you do uh, to take care even of your skin or yourself, just self-care things that you do. Uh, I, I really, I live in the jungle, so I got to tell you, it's, it's, I really do think, um, and I think there's a, there, I, I don't think I have a bad skin like regimen. I don't have a bad one. I use my SPF. I have, I have a really expensive SPF 50 facial that I use. Um, but other than that, um, I, I, I'm always playing around with whatever I have a night. I always use a night cream or a night oil and I'll, and I'll use something, um, on the day, uh, in, in the daytime. Um, I don't use an eye cream. I, I haven't done a vampire facial. So it's really, it's really, I feel honestly like a combination of just not having a bad, um, skin regimen um but having a lot of joy in my life so even if i'm insanely busy and having those 13 14 hour days i'm still very much in touch with with my why like why i'm doing it i'm very joyful it's very easy for me to flip from you know focusing on working and getting stuff done and putting out fires to playing with the dogs and joking around with my mother or my husband um and i think that comes from yoga and just so much coaching other women and a lot of mindset work right so i do feel like that energy that you have inside is going to affect um how you age because when you get older you're just unconsciously practicing um experiencing these emotions and having these faces right for longer so it leaves a longer effect it does right so i that's one thing that i do think you know i'll be going on my bicycle going to the beach and i'll pass so many people that come to visit uh tulum tourists and they just look terribly unhappy yeah like they're escaping their life right they're they're taking a vacation to get away from something whereas you're in every minute of every life of of every day in your life right it's different and 
I absolutely love what you said. I mean, guys, the internal joy that she carries is what's carrying her to live a longer, healthier, you know, Mm -hmm. life. And I think that what she oozes in that flow and that, you know, motivation, inspiration that she does carry for so many of us, I think it has everything to do with what you just said there, the joy and being able to really hone into that why as to why you're doing this. I love that, Michelle. And I love the fact that you spend so much time with family, you know, and I'm and I'm so happy you brought Joan up because she is just a monumental inspiration. And I know Brilliant. she just featured the cover of Women's um, Women's Health, Health. which yes. is a massive Epic. achievement. Great work Great. to you. 77. Congratulations. Exactly. So I was going to ask you about some success stories, but let's just focus in on mum because I just love Joan and I love everything about what you guys have. But um, this is going to show all of our listeners, and this is, you know, the um, amazing skill set that she brings when she's coaching coaches to coach people, right? But one of her most profound transformations by far will be working with her own mother, Joan and anyone that has not had the joy of experiencing Joan in any format, just follow her on social media because at train with Joan is such an, an incredible woman, but she has this amazing relationship with her daughter and they have built this beautiful bond, but also this phenomenal transformation. And I'm just going to give Michelle the floor to discuss this as one of her key, key success stories. Cause I think it, it really is like, um, it's a legacy one for Michelle. And I think what I'm excited for, and I'll throw this out there, but Michelle, you're going to be that same level of inspiration for every woman when you're in your seventies. I have no doubt because I know what you are like now. And I know that in 20 years time, you're going to be ridiculous. I can't even, yeah. I can't even think of what Michelle's going to be. 17 years. Wow. Almost the amount of time I've been with JJ. I'm like, that's crazy. Just time, right? Um, I'm I'm so glad uh, to chat about chat about mom. Um, and she's one of many. Um, and I try to say this all the time because I want people to understand that. Um, I think mom's my my oldest client that has gone through this kind of transformation. But she's one of many. And um, and so please, everyone, believe and understand that you can have a major health reversal major mm-hmm. health reversal and when i say health i don't just mean physical health right i also mean mental health right and spiritual health um you can have a major reversal no matter how many decades you've been going in the wrong direction it's never too late it's like following a google you know uh map you know, map quest and you realize wait a minute there's this is not the right direction right so stop right like turn the map quest off and start reading the signs on the road and go back in the right direction um so so mom mom uh, i think what's wonderful about mom in my opinion as a coach is here you've got somebody who was um very obese for at least 40 decades who had a hysterectomy one ovary was left no hormone therapy at all um and uh had uh, hypertension, which he was medicated for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, knee surgery uh, that had incapacitated her for, for a while, and she never was really a, a beautiful outcome from that. So all of these things, right, that we we would think, oh, gosh, that's going to be a problem. How am I going to help this person? Or, or you know, you're 70, your boat has sailed, you're too far gone, right? Hormones. And when you think of people that are 40 worried about their hormones, right? And, yeah. and I'm like, well, gosh, like, look at Joan, like, 
Exactly. She, she She's not on, I mean, people think, oh, she must be on like MHT or I'm like, you would not put somebody 60 above who has not been on MHT. You don't put them on hormone therapy, right? That would be, that would be malpractice, right? You want to give them cancer or like a thrombotic <laughs> event. I sometimes wonder at what people post on social media. I've heard this from coaches. Oh, she asked to be on MHT and it's like, that would be malpractice. You should not be putting somebody 60 plus who has never been on, on hormone therapy on hormone therapy. Um, so it, it really shows what lifestyle can do. What lifestyle can do in chipping away at the block. So the first, you know, her first, when she first uh, started, she was 199.8 pounds, 39 wow. trillion, um, wow. on medications. And uh, we started her with just resistance training and some light cardio, just 20 minutes um, a day. She did, uh, I think it was like three training, uh, no, she did four training sessions and then one kind of yoga stretching sort of a day. Uh, and the workouts were short, like four exercises, mostly mm -hmm. machine, a little bit of dumbbell work. And um, she dropped that first month. And it's very, very common in my clients that are, um, uh, very overweight and we do a cut right away. Like we start on baseline, what's called baseline. So we start, we match, we match people's existing calories. We try to, um, Joan was uh, probably eating around, I don't know, maybe 900 or a thousand calories. So I started her on a kind of standard 1500 calorie diet. She wasn't able to eat it. Um, I met her in the middle at 1300 and she would be, you know, trying to eat those 1300 calories because as you know, once you start eating whole foods and getting that protein in several sure. times a day, you can't snack anymore. You feel like you're always eating. So she dropped, I think she went from 39 to 37 inches in the first four weeks at the waist. Mm -hmm. um, she dropped, I think, uh, 11 or 12 pounds in the first four weeks. Wow. And then she did the uh -huh. same thing. So she rapidly, we rapidly got her below 35 inches at the waist, which is like the marker for increased, you know, sharp increased risk of CBD. Um, and she went down to 160, 155 uh, by the summer. And she had originally wanted to, I just had wanted to get 30 pounds off her. If I get 30 pounds off her, get her waist down to like 34, at least she was out of that danger zone. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And um, she actually said to me when she was, I think, 155 pounds, she said, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to lose any more weight. I don't want to get too gaunt looking. I said, don't worry, <laughs> you're not going to be gaunt looking. Um, and then we, we, we didn't focus on, um, you know, by the summertime, we worked on uh, like a slight reverse to maintenance. She wasn't, she never got really low on her calories. It, for her, it was really about um, just getting the training in and getting stronger. In fact, I started to increase her calories a little bit um, because her appetite picked up by about month four. Um, and so we, we increased them just a little bit. Uh, they were they were too low to begin with because of what where her yeah. metabolism was. Um, and but she continued to do body recomp and for me guys it was a huge eye opener i never had a client that old uh before that yeah, i've had 60 year olds but not 70 and i was i was really shocked at the changes in her body composition from month uh, from year two onwards so i could really see yeah. the deltoid striations the tricep um 
the leg muscles showing through. It was insane. And then, you know, you know by it's year really five, cool, Michelle. Yeah. It's really cool yeah. because having known that she was never someone who had physically trained before, you got yeah. to experience newbie gains in a 70-year-old woman. That is my how cool Insane. is that? It's so freaking cool. I, I would have been incredibly, if you would have asked me before before getting to work with Joan and subsequently more, I wasn't kind of specializing in 50 plus until maybe four years ago. Um, so at that time, you know, almost eight years ago, I would have I would have given you a very conservative, like, well, if you know, if we can get 30 pounds off and get you to 34, like that would have been a big win. And I never yeah. would have. I would never with confidence been able to say, oh, well, we might, you know, we're going to develop some muscle and, and we'll be like deadlifting and, hip, you know, hip thrusting. I would not with confidence have been able to say that. And certainly yeah. I didn't see any examples of that. I've, I've seen examples of women that had been athletes their whole life that were continuing to be strong in, 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 you know, in, in their seventies, but not this kind of massive reversal that we might see with a 30 year old, like you've seen it, right? A girl walks yeah. in 30 years old, she's got a 33 or 34 inch waist, and then she's winning some championship and looks like, <laughs> a, like, like she's been doing it forever. But in a 70 year old, this was a huge shock for me. I was like, wow. Okay. So sar sarcopenia, I can tell you without doing any research, sarcopenia, we got to rethink this. Right. If we think that sarcopenia is a result of old age and we're seeing somebody in their 70s not only lose weight, but body recomp in a deficit. Right. In a deficit. That's actually what I was going to even mention when just take away. I'm like the fact that she mentioned that her body composition, massive changes that she noticed was two years in. And some people give up within that six months, yeah. first year. This is yeah. just not working, I'm doing so much and I'm just not seeing the results that I want to see. Of course, you might've got some, maybe, you know, fat loss off, but the building the muscle part, that's the part I can still, again, I'm trying to emphasize here. Yes. Yes. I just showed her how to do plyo hops. I got off the call with, with, with Stacey Sims and, and I'm like, I'm going to try getting my mom doing these plyo hops. Now she has amazing bone density. We had a DEXA scan done and she's a brick. Um, she would have probably break something if she ran into it. But uh, so we tried these plyo hops and uh, I just, I, we just posted it on her Instagram and the first, her first one, you know, she lands with a thud and very flat foot, but within uh, the fourth, so we did four attempts and I kept cueing her a little bit differently and she's actually doing pretty nice little plyo hops over that's a small so obstacle. Nice. And that's another thing, right? That we think, oh, well, we start losing these um, reflexive, uh, yeah, these reflexive reflex. yep. yeah, uh, abilities in our body, but that too can be trained. It's really use it or lose it, right? And we gain strength in the rep range that we train we can regain so much this idea of plasticity in the body is profound and i think it's very very liberating for people because we are facing a very real and very ugly health crisis that um you know throwing throwing medicine throwing pills it's not going to solve the problem it's not um okay. and we have to really get away from that model and we have to do it now um we're a bit and behind the eight ball you, you look at yes. some of the key things that people have, um, you know, mortality from as they age. And one of the biggest factors that is away from CVD and, you know, some of the more common known, you know, cancers, the things that we know take people, it's falls. 
It is the risk of falling. It is a 60 to 70% likelihood that someone that falls in their you know, elder years that has a fracture to the hip or they break a hip or and or like hip knee, they'll die within 12 months post their break. It's really, yeah. really scary. Exactly what happened to my grandma, you guys. It's actually a scary. sad story, but I'm just in El Salvador. Nobody was able to watch her. And um, she had little small steps, of course. I mean, she'd lived there the whole life. Um, so there, it's not like you're going to remodel your home that you've been in. And so she fell and actually not within, honestly, Allie, I think it might've been a month and a half. And uh, yeah. she she did pass away from, you know, just um, internal, so bleeding, internal bleeding. Yeah. And in going back into just yeah. where um, we're really bringing up Joan here, because I find that she inspires not just myself and, you know, so many Everyone. Everyone globally, because I find that the narrative that, you know, the age is, you know, going to cripple you or you're just, you know, it's past you and you just can't do it anymore. But it's all the stories and those excuses that we build in our, you know, in our head that we believe. And when we start breaking those chains and those, you know, you know, stories that we're creating, it's very important to um, actually take that action and maybe seek professional help. And um, I, I'm more inspired every year by Michelle and Joan because they're doing this experiment. I, I call this all the time, like more of this transformation experiment, reversal of life, like she says. And I think that's the best way to put it because it inspires me to want that for my mother. And I mean, I, I don't know how many women may be listening to this and saying, man, I want my mom to live longer. I want, you know, her to change. And, and she's well. so hard-headed, yeah. right? Like she's so hard-headed, she won't change. <laughs> like, and, that, and that's kind of what I've been, you know, struggling with. And I bring this up to Michelle when I see her and kind of ask her, you know, of course, like, how do you how do you, you know, get your mom to do these things when just, how does she listen to you? Like, I mean, I'm her daughter and she just doesn't really listen to me. And as much as she knows I can help her, like, it's just one of those things I find it's their mindset. Um, just from a takeaway from everything that I've, I've heard Michelle on today's um, podcast is your mindset has to change. Your lifestyle changes really have to change. You have to make deeper priorities with building muscle and strength, you know, having, of course, the right process and systems in place for you to follow through with them. And um, just being able to still kind of stop using those numbers and excuses in your in your brain because mm. i find that most of us no matter what age we are we will use it at some part of our life yeah. um, oh I'm no longer you know this age uh, or this. Oh, I'm here right and i think too the thing is that you've just identified for so many people michelle nothing's actually off the table like there is no actual ceiling. You, you've just blown all of those things out of the water. And the fact that, you know, I feel very confident that if Joan has a fall anytime in the next 10, 15 years, this woman will be able to catch herself. She will be able to brace herself. She will be able to prevent that fall being drastic or like remember. Exactly. <laughs> she actually did have a terrible oh fall on her bicycle. Um uh, last summer like really bad and we she was she was looking over her shoulder and the bike veered off and she ran right into a cement block you know like the big cement blocks that you and she she hit it and she literally and jay and i were like and she jumped up grabbed her bike and put it back on the sidewalk because she had fall, come off the sidewalk into the ditch put it back on and pedaled off again and we're just thinking like wow oh my god Whoa. oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, crazy wow. um but 
yeah, to your point, I mean, sarcopenia lifestyle, right? And the benefits of, of resistance training, yeah. increased neuroplasticity, right? Like that there's research that supports wow. that. Whereas, whereas being sedentary and drinking alcohol have the opposite outcome. You want to accelerate or increase your risk of, of, of plaques on your brain and Alzheimer's. That's what you should do. So it's very, very exciting to know that these lifestyle factors can have such a profound change on the body. And I think the more, more women. So like I said, my mom's one example, there's many, many others. My clients, they're really on social media and they are sharing their story. They're getting into okay. newspapers, getting on radio stations. So cool. it's a very, yeah, it's very cool. It's very exciting. I mean, I love competing and I will always coach athletes to the stage. But I'm also my heart, like my 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 why is this changing the narrative for women? Because like I said, when I was young, I thought like 50 was it and getting old and feeble. That was the reality. And we're in a position now to really change that. We have to change that because, yeah. you know, yeah. and by the time we're, we're by the time we're 70, there's no nursing homes. Let's and I it. love I love this message for so many reasons, but I probably okay. have even more of a personal attachment to it now because I've had my forever family later in life, you know, so I'm, I'm here having yeah. my second baby. I'll have two under two, you know, and I'm not in my twenties anymore. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at life and going, okay, so when I'm 70, my kids are going to be giving me grandkids. I want to be able to enjoy them. I want to be able to run around with them. I want to be able to, I want, I want to be at venues and social events and celebrations of achievements of my children when they're in their young and mid-adult life and have people say, I cannot believe that's your mom. Like, I can't believe she looks that good. I can't believe she's that age. Like, I want to be a Joan. (laughs) I want to be a Joan. I think everyone wants to be a Joan. But, um, but, but I think it's important because we are seeing women step into this phase of life much later now. And it's becoming more and more common that ladies are waiting until they're in their 30s and 40s to actually have kids. And I think this makes it even more important that we are looking after, you know, mobility and agility and health long-term, yep. right? 100%. So anyone who's not already following Michelle, you're doing yourself a disservice and immediately you need to get <laughs> Instagram and please Michelle share your handle share Jones and share the Wonder Woman officials uh so you can follow Joan at train with Joan you can follow me at your healthy hedonista um and we I we also both have uh, websites as well um Facebook as well Joan has a book flex your age she has an app for older people if you want to get started uh, we're just doing a challenge right now right. a short challenge where I do the mindset very club. Nice. That's also train with Joan. You can find that uh, in the app store. I think that kind of covers oh, it. And then we, nice. have coaching, we have a coaching uh, team as well that focuses on uh, the 40 plus uh, athlete or 40 plus transformation client. And that's called the wonder woman. So thank yeah. you so much for having me guys. It's been fabulous to sit here with you. And uh, yeah, we're I think so, so- guys for the so grateful. We're so grateful. You know, there are so many women that are listening to this that are either going to have the 40s right around the corner or already deep in it that I think have so much great take-home stuff to, to come out of today's conversation. And I, I've found you so inspiring. And it's, um, you know, just an honour to actually have 
the opportunity to know you and to have met Joan and seen her transformation personally on the sidelines for the last five years has been remarkable. And it's a testament to everything that you guys do live, practice and espouse. And I think um, it was a no brainer for us that we have someone such as yourself come on here for all of our listeners to benefit from. Yes. And thank you so much, uh, Michelle. Seriously, like uh, we've been good friends for a while, you know, competitors and uh, just, you know, of course, just connected for a while now. But the fact that, you know, you've just really, truly brought a lot of the inspiration for so many women breaking the narrative, really, really leading by example. I mean, again, you are such a freaking inspo. So keep freaking doing your thing. I will see you at a show coming up. As you guys know, we obviously, I came from Australia. I saw uh, Michelle in Australia. You know, we have Alicia who lives there and we felt like we were just kind of invading your country and we were just yeah, kind of doing all the uh, and we will, of course, be reunited once again with the new FMG shows. So we will be able to hopefully come to Mexico and see whenever that launches, because I'm coming. I'm coming to Mexico, Michelle. Oh, yeah. So, great. Yeah. So I want to come, come and ride bikes with you guys. I'm like putting yeah, that on my own. <laughs> <laughs> You'll, you would love it here. It's very, it's very, uh, very easy lifestyle. Yeah, I definitely would. I know I would. It's uh, right up my alley. Um, well, thank you again so much, Michelle. You, I'm Michelle. really glad that we got to have you on. I hope all of our listeners... If you have loved this episode, please share it. Please share it, especially with people that you know need to hear some of the stuff that we've talked about today um, and that would really benefit from having, you know, social influence at least and following the pages that are relevant to Michelle and the team um, because I think everyone's going to benefit from being on these ladies' journeys, that's for sure. Thank you, everyone. Until next week. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Allie. I'll see you girls on another show and I'll see you, Allie, next week. Thank you everyone for listening and Michelle, lots of love. Bye.